0: There's a lot of theory about our habits and change. You've been there, done it. What would be a key thing that you would offer to the world?
1: We've got a fear of being beginners. Well, a lot of us do, terms it's trying something new, where when, we, when we're younger, it's kind of you throw yourself into these scenarios with that sort of blind faith and just sort of blind optimism in a way, where as we get a bit older, it's kind of going, oh, I can't start that again because I'll be at the bottom of the ladder and everyone's going to be better than me. I don't want to look as if I'm that one. But we've all got to learn. We've all got to make mistakes on the way up. But that was always the inner battle. I mean, each day was kind of not worrying about the outside perception, not worrying about being a beginner, not worrying about failure, because, you know, you make those steps and you, you, you carve that path by, by taking that first step.
0: Welcome to The Visible Leader, the podcast that challenges conventional leadership and inspires you to create a workplace culture that empowers your team. Join me as I talk to thought leaders and change makers about practical ways to apply new learning and rethink the status quo. Get ready to become a visible leader in your organisation. Really nice to meet you, Harrison Ward, aka The Fell Foodie. My husband's really jealous that I'm interviewing you and he would be sat here, prodding me with questions that are totally irrelevant to the subject that we're going to be talking about, but he's just basically super interested in what you do because during lockdown, he started going out in the woods randomly, started cooking lunch. He didn't make a career of it, but uh, when I told him what, what you do and everything, he was super interested. So for people that haven't come across you yet. What do you do, Harrison?
1: Well, firstly, thank you for having me. and I'm sure we can uh, get your husband on <laughs> after the call, maybe, and get some questions post call with no problem at all. Uh, but, yeah, my name is Harrison Ward, also known as the Fell Foodie, basically around up here in the north in the Lake District. We tend to call the hills fells, and my love of food being merged together with that passion of hill walking and hiking. So I'm best known these days for taking my camping stove up into the mountains in the Lake District where I'm from and trying to prepare Sort of restaurant-style meals, out and about, taking in those wonderful natural vistas uh, from those tops. So again, a bit of a bit of a hobby at, at first, that sort of turned into. and You mentioned career there in the intro. I'm not sure I'm quite uh, quite that far, but I'm certainly uh, making those steps and seeing how we can make this work as a full-time entity now. But it's been a very organic journey that I'm sure we'll go into. But something that really stemmed really from a passion and a need for uh, a need for change.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think my husband's managed restaurant-style food yet, but, you know, he's having a go. (laughs) So, you know, we could take this conversation in a number of different places, and and the theme of my podcast is about either kind of challenging some of those conventional wisdoms about leadership or talking to people that have done it, you know? So they've actually done something which other people might look at and go like how did you make that happen so it could be something in business it could be about personal shift and yours is quite a transformation so that's the theme it's gonna be about change and how how you did what you did and how you kept the changes that you implemented because I think that's kind of universal really so let's start by hearing a little bit about your journey really how how it all started?
1: Okay, the full life story. Then let's get it condensed in, nice and short.
0: Like you got a minute?
1: <laughs> Brilliant stuff. No, but as you say, there are of course always synergies across this sort of thing um, through business and personal through change as it goes. And although it might be a very um, different scenario as an individual, there of course can be things taken from that. But for me, I guess when I was brought up in, in Cumbria, uh, just north of the Lake District, not uh, really embracing what I had on my doorstep in my younger years. But I was quite sort of rural upbringing, like sort of sports outdoors, but never really went out into the hills or outdoors there, other than maybe sort of tea and coffee in Keswick on sort of a day trip with a uh, with my mum and sister, really. And um, it was all quite a happy life. There's no sort of trauma points at this moment, but really I found myself going through a major change at first around sort of puberty, as many do, sort of hormonal change going into adolescence. But for me, the main change here, of course, physically a lot of change, but mentally I also found myself completely different almost overnight. Going from this quite extrovertive character, someone that you know um, could hold a conversation with a lot of people, focused on my studies, to really all of a sudden being plagued, I guess, by this self loathing this demotivation, insecurity, and, and really almost like a doppelganger inside, kind of not the person I believed I was. And sort of fighting this alternative personality that was now sort of fighting um, internally in my own head. And it was something that I kept very much to myself. I didn't see it as um, something I wanted to put on other people. I didn't want to be a burden, sharing sort of my down times, what I was going through. So I basically put on this mask, if you will, I guess, this this, this other version, which was still me, of course, but sometimes was slightly false based on how I was actually feeling, Um, to not really bring down friends, family, I suppose, teachers at that time, or later in life, other people that I met along my path. Now, through this, I started working a lot in the hospitality trade as well. I've got a job sort of through my studies around uh, the similar age of 13, 14, initially just washing pots in the kitchens, moving on to waiting on before finding a job behind the bar at 18. Now, through this time, I had a bit of a passion for food. I enjoyed the fact that food brought people together. I loved cooking with my grandma from a young age, spent a lot of time with her, as our mum worked nights as a nurse in the infirmary. So a lot of time there learning bits what were going on What what made nice dishes. And also that feeling of bringing the family together that we've kind of moved away from slightly, of bringing people around that kitchen table to, to share almost how their day has gone and that community feel. That, again, even in the workplace sometimes I think we sometimes miss because we have the individual almost lunches or popping out for bits rather mm-hmm. than that almost communal-type feel. And if it is, it almost feels like it's still an extended version of work rather than a break time almost it's kind of uh, let's carry on with what we're doing in the office or whatever scenario you're in but at 18 behind the bar again as many 18 a rite of passage very much a british culture as well discovering really the world of alcohol from both points of view from serving it to people meeting different walks of life coming into that environment but also myself socializing now with this this liquid of course uh, and finding that quite a sort of a nice path and nice, i sort of social lubricant dutch courage and something that was really silent in those those thoughts in my own head and allowing me to be that person that i believe I actually was right at the start and that that person without the mask in a way so quite quickly this became something i liked the sensation of wanted more of and basically went out more and more under that guise of being social alongside my studies at the time but of course i was using this quite medicinally now as a tool for my own head again still not speaking out what i was going through feeling very alone, feeling like I was the only person suffering from this, and moving away to university, quite quickly finding myself back in that environment, working once again in hospitality, now sort of managing, sort of assistant manager of this, this pub in the town, with hotel, with the kitchen side, so there's all a bit of a mix there going on with the food side too, but really using that as an easy access point, I guess now, for this tool that I was using personally. And around my 21st birthday there, so I've been in York for a couple of years now, by this point, I was drinking most days by the time I moved there, but working in the environment there, especially for university as well, meeting new people through that freshest environment, all alcohol-fueled. Again, that British culture was always mm. well around, um, that sort of mix. Uh, I found things really began to sort of snowball for me, and this initial guise, this medicinal tool, was now becoming quite a poison for me. I'd ballooned in weight to about 22 stone at my biggest. I, I was drinking in excess of sort of 20 pints a day, working throughout the day, highly functioning in the public environment, uh, even taking up sort of smoking at the time too, a very lethargic life, all really to try and sort of counteract this this burden in my own mind that was really no fault, no fault of mine. And something that only really began to change in, in 2016, so I was about 25 at the time. So again, I lived this lifestyle for quite a while, there was points of really moments of real, real dark, dark, dark bottoms where not went to exist anymore, suicidal ideations, a few close calls in that point. And ultimately, I found myself in a relationship through this point, but also was in a relationship with alcohol quite heavily, but quite secretively at this point too. And the two didn't go hand in hand. And on one particular occasion, on one argument into this relationship, I went to the pub like I always did, sort of avoided the confrontation, avoided the conversation, and I I acted unfaithfully to this partner. And rightly so, it was the end of that relationship, but it was also the start of the end of my other relationship with alcohol. Mm. I suppose initially to try and vow to make that change, to try and win that partner back looking back. But it was the 6th of June, 2016, that I really came to terms with the fact of how far I'd fallen and the fact that this sort of assistance I was using, assistance tool, was no longer providing just an outlet for me. It was now affecting all those around me. So that burden I never wanted to put onto anybody was now exactly what I was doing. And I felt I'd compromised myself as an individual. I'd changed, my ethics were different, and I reached a real crisis point, a real rock bottom. The moment that I had to make a major change from.
0: Wow. It's just massive, isn't it, that you got to that point, but it went on for quite a long time.
1: It was. I mean, it was was 12 years suffering in silence, really, Mm. just not reaching out and not seeking help. And again, I suppose, you know, in a business setting, I mean, that would be the end of the business if you weren't seeking help at that point or weren't delegating tasks out of various points. But I was just trying to burden all that weight of what I was going through on my own mind constantly and just... And as time went on, of course, tolerance grew, tolerance increased. So it was more and more and more, which just provided a, a much bigger strain on, I suppose, health and personal and finances and everything really was, was, was going down. And there's a great quote I love about alcohol being a fantastic dissolvent, you know, a dissolvent of relationships, a dissolvent of finances, but never a dissolvent of problems. And for no. me, at time, I hadn't come to terms with that reality at that point. I'm still trying to utilize it as that catalyst.
0: So you reached that point, and change was change was a coming.
1: <laughs>
0: and yeah, yeah, I mean, I love when I've heard you talk about this before. What happened? So I don't want to fast forward you at all. I want I want to hear what happened where where it led you. But there's a bit in that that I love, which is your friend. So this is that sense of you've been on your own, trying to deal with everything on your own. But what happened next?
1: Yes, yeah, so I've really hit my rock bottom here. My The my, my whole foundations I've built, really, for my life at this point have just crumbled beneath me, I guess. you know The job I was now in for a good sort of six years, I was managing this place now at this point. Obviously, the uh, relationship I was in, the flat I had in the city. I'd been there seven years, met a lot of people, was a known face in that town uh, or city, rather. It just always felt like a town because it was quite a small, condensed centre. So we always joked about yeah. the town feel of York, but... But literally overnight at that point, I, I came to terms with the fact that I could no longer live this life I was leading if I was trying to make this change. Obviously, I was trying to win that partner back and trying to do that whole, you know, I can be different, I can do this, you know, forgive me. And really, quite quickly, it dawned on me that I could no longer be in this environment if I was going to try and make this a reality. So York could become a very familiar spot to me, working both in that sort of sweet shop, if you will, a kid in a sweet shop, in that public environment, living in as well. So I'm literally living and breathing that life constantly. And also, easy access into town. My friends at the time, they're probably all takeaway owners and bartenders. So, I mean, the reality was, <laughs> maybe it should have dawned on me earlier. But um, but I decided, literally, I had to leave this city overnight. So I didn't say goodbye to anybody. Obviously, I'd lost my girlfriend. i quit the job, um, left my flat, and returned home to Cumbria, where I was initially from. And... For the first time in my life, I came clean really, with what I've been going through and the reasons behind why I had to leave York behind and the subsequent problems I've been having, trying to battle my own head. So alcohol, of course, was very much you know, a symptom of that. What I now know to be my battle with clinical depression. And again, so 12 years in silence, finally putting my hands up here. I've got two scenarios, really. I felt as if I could go at this point at the bottom. The one was completely going under and, and, and at its worst, probably off this mortal coil or the other one was kind of asking for help, support, to try and lift me back off from this precipice. And the support I received back after coming clean with what I'd gone through, from friends and family, acquaintances, people I've met on my journey, is integral to why I'm speaking to you now, is the reason why I was able to make that change. The lift-up I got, fearing that judgment, fearing that fact I'd be a burden on others all those years, was the opposite of what I experienced upon sharing it, and it was something that yeah, very difficult to repay. And I was very, I felt, felt definitely very privileged about the fact that I still had those people in my life. There was moments of, I suppose, potential intervention or moments of ultimatums over the years that you know I nearly had burnt those bridges. And so often you hear in like some substance abuse and um, other sort of abuses, I guess, and that that unconditional love in a way does run out a certain point Mm. pushing those boundaries I was lucky to have come to that sort of reality that that epiphany if you will it really did feel like that sort of moment in my life before that occurred of course still inflicting a lot of pain on my partner at the time that I vowed to try and make a change to and make amends for but being lifted up by others was was a huge huge thing and I tried to throw myself into fitness as as a means of trying to replace that hole in my life because alcohol was literally the minute I got up to Mm-hmm. And I sort of collapsed into bed, sort of in blackout oblivion each day, really. It was kind of just the only thing I did. And the minute that first pipe went down my neck, that was kind of, that was the way the day was going. So fitness tried to fill that hole in the life. So at first it was going back to the gym that I had done when I was about 18. It was trying to go on some little walks nearby. It was back on my bicycle, um, sort of the local area, just a little sort of route up there. And then one friend turned at my doorstep and said he was going to take me for a hike in the Lake District. Now again, although being so close I mean, literally about twenty miles from the Lake District where, I'm, where I grew up, I've never really been out there before at all. So I didn't know what to expect. Really... <laughs> I love
0: that you've never been for you've never been for walking. That's the I don't see any reason people go to the lake. You,
1: you see it so often again. Even now, living in the Lakes, now you see a lot of people who've been here for generations who appreciate the beauty but don't really utilise. I don't
0: what's... want to go and go up there.
1: <laughs> it's, it's typical complacency, isn't that snow blindness you get? I mean, you get that too in business. If you work somewhere for a lot of time, Sometimes taking yourself out of a situation. You appreciate what you've got or what you're doing or Definitely. the situations you're in. And um, likewise for me, I think you saw a lot of people wanting to wanted to move to the cities from Cumbria because it was very rural. They wanted the, the high-fi and the nightlife, Where I never really sort of wanted that too much. York was about big enough for me to move away. <laughs> um, but coming back again, it was kind of a new, a new dawn and a new sort of relationship. And yeah, I put on my hand to hand at the time, so I had no equipment, so I didn't know what to expect, I was kind of really, again, didn't really have any money for any clothes at the time, I was sort of very overweight, so I was kind of putting what I had over these years of what would fit still really, so I just had an old scabby jumper I put on, I think a pair of swim shorts that you know had a nice big drawstring I could pull to keep my shorts up really, and, and some scabby trainers that were my, the trainers I'd go to for sort of, my posh trainers for going out, but also what I'd go in. For anything really so that's all I really had so they had about as much grip as a pair of bowling shoes I think <laughs> and my friend took one look at me and said y- you can't go like that look at the state of you I mean
0: mountain rescue hello <laughs>
1: and that's it We're exactly I mean these days you know it's a far cry of course and something that I try and promote that responsible influence a lot more to what I do but at the time again not known any different. he pulled over on the way to the Lake District at a local outdoor store pulled this pair of boots off the counter for me and at the time, I was completely penniless. I mean, I'd just paid the last of my sort of um, rental debts. I mean, there was probably still some outstanding bar tabs in York. I mean, if anyone is listening now and in that situation, they do own a property there. I'm sure we can speak afterwards and try and sort that out. But <laughs> it's, um, but again, max these credit cards out. And I'd blown this inheritance I had from my great uncle, like a good start in life, just all down my neck. It just all gone. And buying this pair of boots he did off the counter for me, you know, was a huge show of support and faith for this new movement and one that could have quite easily backfired quite a trusting loving moment really that he didn't know where that was going to go to at the time but as it did about 20 minutes later we pulled up at the base of Glencafra in the Lake District uh, <laughs> and that moment I suppose of faith and support I was now looking up at this hillside and thinking what have I got into here what's going we're going up there obviously this is me six years now I've just basically you know very lethargic living, not doing anything at all, really, and suddenly getting frog-marshed up this hillside. You know, two weeks after coming off this, you know, really, you know, alcoholic levels of drinking, where well, I do, do identify that way, pining for my ex, you know, cold sweats, withdrawal, not knowing where I am in life, just such hazy mind, and really staring at my feet, just just breathing, <laughs> breathing so heavily, heading up this hillside. And, you know, he was very mentally patient as he went, a really, really slow plod. Gradually moving forward, just trusting that path and trying to make that change and eventually reaching that summit point and barely having a chance to take a breath before he looked at me and said, Right, we're doing Helvellyn next week. So a week later, the story very similar to the first mountain. Just buzzing really at the top of the hill and looking down on, on, on the this beautiful view we got with barely a cloud in the sky of red time below and striding edge and the pennines in the distance and it was just really like something new was being sparked in me, like this new path to go on, something that I really wanted more of. Again, perhaps there's maybe uh, connotations of an addictive nature here, but <laughs> I'm the same, right. with, same with biscuits, can't put them down. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, you were pointing it at the right kind of thing. It's going to be a nicer thing for you to incorporate into your life.
1: Well, that was trying to be the aim at this point, I guess. It was all trying to change those negative vices into positive vices. Yeah, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was going back initially as well. I mean, I tried to look more what I was eating because I was generally picking up a few chips from the kitchen while I was working, working sort of 14, 16-hour days in the hospitality environment. Just the only break you're getting is going around the, uh, going around the back of the car park for a fag. really. It was kind of just one of those constantly moving, yeah. falling back home in the evening with a takeaway in hand. So it was trying to look back at how I was fueling myself too. Again, not expecting to fuel... A car with a poorer input for it to go 100 mm. miles. So, how I was feeling myself going back to that cooking bit that I always loved, cooking fresh, cooking, you know, sort of homely meals at home, and as well as this sort of activity, getting myself moving, sort of for body and mind via the gym, via walking, via the hills. And this sort of sparked this journey onwards. I think within a month we've been climbing to Mount Snowden and uh, coming across this sign via the Cribcock Ridge at one point, coming across this sign that said, you know, uh, experienced walkers only from this point <laughs> the two of us looking at each other thinking oh, are we experienced walk <laughs> seven eight hikes and we had the kit at this point of course and boots and had the backpack and bits and we'd done a few and we you know had took the map out with us. we all followed the guidelines it's still now one of my favorite favorite experiences i've been back and done it again but it, it was phenomenal but of course yeah not for the faint-hearted and uh, definitely uh, oh, a yeah. I mean, no ropes required, but sort of, you know, a good scramble and very much an edge. I mean, you hear stride and edge, very much. quite a wide platform, sort of a hell vellum, but creep Gogh was very much that sort of stegosaurus-type back. Yeah, yeah. You know, heading through the mountain line, but wonderful. I've been
0: scoot, scooting across on my bum. <laughs> <laughs> Not very classy.
1: Well, that's the picture of me on there. I think I'm straddling <laughs> the top of it. and Literally, my legs are <laughs> hanging either side, I think, on this top. But basically began to advance into other elements of fitness too. So... Another friend had asked me if I wanted to go for a run at some point. and I thought, you know, hang on a minute, this is a bit too much now. This is a I'm doing a bit of walk, I'm going to the gym. I'm not I'm not I'm not a runner. I've never really enjoyed running after a ball, you know, in sports. And he said, no, come on, we'll go around a little run around the park. And it was probably two kilometres. But again, push forward on it. And that 2K became sort of three, became five. You know, the the hiking boots began to get changed for sort of running trainers and trail trainers. And then next minute we're going back to some of these mountains that we've started off on and trying to run sort of along the tops and in there and going back to Blenkaffra by the end and running sort of up that path that I initially tried to struggle to walk up.
0: Yeah, yeah, trudging.
1: Just a huge, huge change. And, I mean, to to the outside, I mean, it's one thing for me, but, I mean, to people who actually knew me, sort of family and friends from before and after, I mean, it must have been bizarre. They must have been thinking what's going on. I mean, it's just all of a sudden this chap who took the, the odd picture of a pint pot on sort of the bar on his Facebook page he's all of a sudden now running up these hillsides and going out each day on the hill it just it was literally overnight a right switch moment and at the turn of the year that same friend that took me up the hills Ryan up the mountaintops said uh do you fancy trying to run a marathon he'd never done one himself we'd we got into sort of running together I mean he was a lot fitter than me but previously but I was going like you're having a you're having a giraffe at this point I mean I laughed you at the pub if you would expected me to do this But there we are, signing up for a marathon. And in May 2017, so 11 months on from that change moment of the 6th of June, 2016, here I am crossing the line at a marathon. Now seven stone lighter, about nearly a year sober at this point, and living this completely different life, all due really to the fact of that support at the start from friends and family of eventually realising that it was okay to talk and okay to say, look, I am struggling whether that was myself, whether that was, you know, with business, whether that was with family life, and just actually putting my hands up and being, you know, it's okay to say I'm having a moment here. Mm-hmm. And it's just looking back, it, it's just, <laughs> it's like a stranger. It really is just such a, I saw it was like my 80s movie montage at the time. It was kind of me there, that was it, yeah. putting the tunes on and heading up these hillsides and just pushing on. Again, trying to win that partner back. But as time went on, realising this change was for me, you know, and writing yeah. songs, and and really showcasing that support I got from other people by by valuing that and making sure it wasn't ill fated. Really,
0: it's interesting because it's such a shift and a change. And I, when I hear about it, it's kind of not often you hear about someone just making a complete one hundred and eighty. You know, like not like that. You did this incrementally. You just totally change everything. Do you think you saw the warning signs that you were ready for change? Do you think there was anything that sort of foreshadowed it? Or was it literally circumstance that, you know, girlfriend situation was the thing that happened that forced it?
1: Not at the time. I think retrospectively looking back, you can pick moments up from that. You can analyse the situation then. And I suppose there was even moments of maybe potential intervention at times, but not to the full extent. But. I was quite a solitary sort of, sort of drinker at the time as well and was highly functioning, so I was known as a heavy drinker. I was quite a big chap anyway, so there wasn't really any signs. And culturally, it was kind of just, you know, blokey bravado out there, likes to drink at yeah, the yeah. pub, heading out, mixing with different groups so they wouldn't see the extent of what i had that previous day. So it was kind of not really tailored that way, but just kind of how it ended up. So
0: Yeah, yeah. So it was a much a uh, circumstance yeah. thing.
1: And I, and I had no myself I wasn't going oh you're having a bit much here or you're drinking a bit much no. my, my weight was noticeable I mean I noticed myself I was quite insecure with that and, of course I'm putting the weight I didn't like how I was and wasn't very happy with myself but again that just fueled me further into really drinking to forget and to yeah. blackout it was yeah. kind of my means of existing each day just letting the days pass not living them just no, no. By a bit of a speedier acceleration through life and mm. Yeah, I mean, really. I mean, it, it, it's only one of those. I think you you pick things up. I mean, uh, at one point, I, I, you know, I couldn't picture myself not having a drink. I didn't. I didn't really trust people who couldn't drink. I didn't get that at all. You know, I suppose I didn't see myself as a smoker. Yeah, I was smoking. You know, a pack a day. I just, it was kind of. I had yeah, to. Yeah. I was eighteen, but it was kind of just. I smoke when I drink, or when do you drink, or drink every day? And it was kind of just. Yeah. <laughs> it just didn't.
0: They, they, no. they don't add up anymore, do they?
1: Yeah. 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 I didn't I didn't define myself by these actions, but it was exactly who I was and what was ingrained within mm. me. But it was really again that moment of of realizing how much I, I had changed by by inflicting that hurt on somebody else through who I was. The person, if you had asked me to describe who I was, it would have been that sort of you know loyal, honest person, you know, selfless sort of thing. And that was exactly the opposite of the actions I just portrayed. And mm. that for me was was the real bit of going just an absolute snap out of that moment of how far really I'd gone. And yeah, I think to some sometimes for these things, I think it is it can be a rock bottom moment. I think you want to catch the signs before. And I think that's perhaps where reaching out more for support along the way can provide those touch points or, you know, having that maybe alternative, maybe mentor or or uh, audit sort of on the outside in there. But for myself at the time I wasn't willing to let any of that in. I I was very stubborn. I think even if I'd spoke to my younger self it, that's often one of the things people say what would you say yeah, to yourself? yeah
0: what would you say
1: i always say i don't think he listen i, I just no. those. i mean i I'd, I'd try and tell him to stay because i think ultimately that's the one thing i didn't want to do um but other than that i think i was i was very much on my route and that was kind of my only only path i just saw this as my cross to bear um and there was no no way of getting out of this
0: I know when I listened to her, I was thinking about what factors must have been in play. So like when you said your stubbornness, like, you know, you're using that stubbornness now, aren't you, to apply it to something else? (laughs) Dragging yourself up the hills.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I will will (laughs) say that on the chin, I think there's there's, there's moments of that. For sure. Um, Again, although I wasn't too, I've never been too phased by outside perception, but there's certainly elements of accountability in there as well. I think that wanting to, to do things right and do things the right way and and Mm. and, you know not always completely selfless or not always for self but kind of I don't know just doing a good job of things and doing things the right way and and not leaving things unturned or unfinished and I've always been like that in in my day job I think that's why I kind of my studies academically I suppose I was strong enough to follow that path but never really conformed to it as such found it more of a I can I can adapt to do what you'd like me to do, but I don't really fully endorse this. I don't. It was, it was very theoretical. Whereas in mm-hmm. the practical operations, I don't know. I, I excel more at that practical side of things. So when it came to being myself, I suppose being that that task, um, although re- horrendously difficult at first and requiring that external motivation, as this went on and became easy, it became something that yeah, I was striving for that success further.
0: Yeah. I so I'm I'm listening. So I'm hearing. Your characteristics, you've applied them, like your stubbornness, your like your ability to work through, work the process, and even though it was hard. And I was thinking as being vulnerable, reaching out, being able to like get that support. That's like fundamental to your story, isn't it? And your environment. You had to change your environment for you to do this. It sounds like if you'd have stayed in that environment, this shift that you were looking for would have been very much hampered if possible maybe even
1: yeah I'm not I'm not sure it would have been I mean, it's one that I mean I have a huge amount of support and respect for the hospitality trade I and mean, I did 14 years in that trade in the end and it's one that these days even now with the foodie side of things I still support mm. uh, massively but I do appreciate how sometimes the insociable hours and the stresses and the length of time out there and the I suppose the the lifestyle that goes with it can be quite destructive for a lot of people. So I think mean, it's quite a common story mm, all yeah, mm. that way. Or, But for me, again, it was even in the kitchen. I mean, I remember some of the chefs trying to, you know, trying to quit smoking and stuff and trying to, trying to quit smoking whilst working in a commercial kitchen. I and mean, it was the only chance you got to get out, you know, that <laughs> yeah. really hot, super hot environments. Yeah, yeah, that was it just to pop out. Even yeah. the ones that didn't smoke, you know, they pop out and probably just <laughs> take one for us. It was just that sort of thing. So for me, being amongst that, though I wasn't someone that um, succumbed to peer pressure, I was very solitary in this. It was still, it was too familiar, I think, for me. And I think there would have been, I mean, breaking strain of a Kit Kat. I think was one of those, something my a friend of mine used to say quite a lot in terms of you know having a drink after work. And <laughs> I think that would have been me. I think it'd have been too easy to go, ah, oh, sorry, yeah, well, I'm gonna start again. There's nothing to forget.
0: So there's something here around your environment shift and changed. You said about accountability for yourself, the rewards of having an achievement. So getting up to the top of those mountains and running marathons, everything, you were you were having that sense of enjoyment from something different. So you so I can see all these components of change. And if I think about applying that to somebody that's trying to change something else, it doesn't have to be as transformational as yours. But even if it is just simply trying to change some habits, I'm thinking, change your environment. Having rewards, having that support, being vulnerable, reaching out they they're kind of all parallels with what you've done and you've obviously done it and applied it in a quite a big way, but it all feels relevant for any kind of change somebody's trying to implement in their life
1: absolutely, and I think there's elements in there perhaps as well of looking back almost like mentoring as well to a certain degree in terms of having that guidance from 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 peers that sort of had been. A little bit further ahead on the journey and being willing to listen to that point. I was always someone that was willing to learn and listen. And I love that, the foodie side, especially, because I was always talking to chefs. I, I've never been trained, but I was always speaking to chefs I worked with along the way of how have you done that? What's gone into there? What's on that? And I was always had that willingness to learn. So that perhaps the stubbornness maybe doesn't give that justice at times. I think there was always a personal sort of stubbornness rather than anything else. It wasn't sort of, you know, mm-hmm. I know best. It was, you know, I was, willing to learn. but kind of, yeah, and it came to your own individual battles. But the mentoring aspect there, I guess, I suppose, personal development as well, I suppose, was a big thing into there as well, about trying to advance yourself to the next steps, which then came a lot with the fitness journey, I suppose. And, and yeah, ultimately, the accountability, just, yeah, we're really trying to conform to those bits and trying to right those wrongs in a way. I mean, I sort of, obviously, maybe in a business setting or a personal setting, you perhaps wouldn't get to those elements, uh, hopefully, or having to write any major wrongs you've done. But there's certainly bits that you'd, you'd learn from previous mistakes.
0: Mm, mistakes, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah
1: absolutely. I think you have to make those bit in life as well and I think even now it's not something that although this was back in 2016 2017 but it's also one that I, mean, I wouldn't change that path it's kind of that that's been the path that's that's molded me into who I yeah. am and brought me the knowledge I suppose that I have now to speak about this I guess and to try and maybe help somebody else with that so I suppose bringing that back that mentor in full circle is trying to mm-hmm. use that story of what I've been through not by a means of um you know this is this is how to do it because I, I don't think I don't like that guruism that comes with this sort of stuff sometimes. that folks, I've done this. I could change you. Listen to how I've done it. Because I think everything is individual to some degree. But there are familiarities and similarities to take from that. And I think it's more about providing that information to somebody that you aren't alone going through this. So it's why I talk about this so much now. Because I felt so alone at the start. But there is always somebody there to speak to about these bits to go through. Um, Mm. That is personal business.
0: We're going to move on to like where it, where it took you, the fell foodie piece. I want to hear a little bit about that. But if you were going to look at the change that you've created, how did you sustain it? You realized things needed to change and that must've been quite transformational, that early stage. But I often work with people where, and I have hands up. This happens to me. But, you know, you implement a change, whatever it is, habit, gym, whatever, and then that initial optimism, but you didn't really know what you were taking on, that kind of falls away and you suddenly realise how hard this is going to be. Did you reach those places where you were like, oh, this is hard? And, you know, to do with the shifts in your exercise and how you were eating and everything, Did you did you encounter those or did you just find what you had was enough for you to just keep pushing through
1: oh undoubtedly i've reached those points yeah i think it's it's something that obviously i speak about this journey quite a lot these days you race through those first sort of moments of going this was it this happened on this day by the end of the year i was doing this amazing <laughs> you know yeah. it's kind of i was through, believing
0: you that Harrison.
1: <laughs> all through those moments of i mean literally my, my whole world's just just crumbled beneath me like everything i mean i'm 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 going through the levels of drinking, the consumption I was having as well. I mean, medicinally, you know, I went cold turkey, which which is not advisable at that sort of level, really. It's, no. it's you know, you should, should get sort of staggered, um, withdrawal or even sort of chemical help with that sort of stuff. And bits in there, I mean, I was all over the place. I mean, I'm mentally just heartbroken, really, you know, just going through the withdrawals, hallucinating sometimes at night, cold sweats in the, you know, waking up into bed, you know, gasping as I'm going to these sort of exercise bits, pushing, pushing, just... And really, I suppose, looking back, I'm, I'm I'm kind of punishing myself, really. It was kind of all mm. this and look at this. You you deserve this pain now, kind of pushing on. And it was kind of a bit of a also a brutal message to myself of sort of really that even if things hadn't worked out, it was like, well, this is the path you've you've designed for yourself now. You know, if really, really putting it on par with sort of things that I felt as if I, I'd, yeah, I, I'd never deserved to have put that pain on somebody else. So why why should I now? appreciating the good things from. So there was an element of those bits too. But as time went on, it was more becoming, you know, a better son, a better brother, a better sort of friend to people. I was more reliable. I was trying to rebuild those relationships more that I was, you know, I still had, but some of them were sort of hanging on by strings, really. So it was kind of rebuilding those out, building more into play, trying to give back to some degrees. And yes, yeah, certainly moments of hitting walls, hitting hitting hitting, hitting obstacles. But just trying to push on through. But there wasn't a goal as such for me. The goal was to try and get back to York and to try and rebuild that life. But as the sort of parameters changed, I realized this was much more for me. This change was for mm-hmm. me, those around me. And then life began really, there was a lot of trust in the path as well to a certain degree. It was kind of not knowing the future. And though I think there are both schools of thought in terms of, you know, let life take its path and sort of maybe more of a spiritual thing, which I think I was certainly going through a bit of that, but that might have been maybe the, the withdrawal and all sorts and borderline hallucinations at times. <laughs> there was also a degree of, um, you know, trying to put things in place for that next step of change. But it was a bit of both in that where I just allowed it really to naturally take its path and see where this was taking me. But, but enjoying the success I was getting personally with myself, you know, I was mm. the happiest I'd been in terms of looking at myself in the mirror. You know, I was able to do things I'd never been able to do before. There was so much progression, personal best every time I was going out. And that whole compound effect, I suppose they talk a lot about, you know, making a change now, a small change, Mm. and looking back and then seeing how major that change is, rather than trying to go naught to 60 on the first day and burning out and then struggling. Yeah, yeah. But there were certainly certainly moments of of struggle throughout that, though. I mean, please do not... um...
0: No, no. No, it does sound hard. (laughs) Yeah. I think what's interesting is through all your talking, you didn't really talk about a goal. You didn't walk up like hell villain with a goal. And it, and the first time you've mentioned a goal was when you said, oh, well, the goal actually was to go back to York and rekindle my life or, or a different version of it. And then you realised that goal was really a bit, not really the goal that you, you wanted now. So that's really interesting. It's like change for you is this incremental piece And I think the biggest thing I'm hearing when you talk is your identity, how you thought about yourself, like what type of person you wanted to be or thought you were back then, and actually you were acting that person now. So it's like really all these different facets of what needed to be lined up, but actually what was underneath it was like who you were.
1: Yeah, I've always been one that struggled, I guess, with with definitions of yourself. I mean, we always sort of define each other, don't we, by... What we do as a job half the time it seems to be the mm. one of the most top parameters of who we are as people and really often I think we're, we're much more custodians for jobs I don't think the jobs define us as who we are so in terms of goals with so this as such I mean it was kind of just really wanting to to seek apology from others it was kind of, I was kind of just trying to right wrongs that was my goals was really there mm-hmm. and and throughout this I was I know I was seeking medical help and various bits through there I ended up getting pushed towards more. Um, the group therapy, sort of AA at the time as well, which there was all that sort of 12 steps that sort of went through that I really enjoyed being in that environment of like-minded individuals, being able to share what I was going through, but didn't quite conform with perhaps there was quite a religious aspect that I couldn't quite get on board with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I enjoyed all the, well, the spiritual side, but couldn't quite get on board with that. Mm-hmm. Looking back again, you said previously about reevaluating. I sort of think I did sort of follow that that routine to some degree. And the final sort of steps in that are sort of seeking apology from others and then yeah. the final step is um, helping those who are still struggling. But I kind of see now as that has really – I'd always struggled for what my purpose was, I think, and what why what was here mm. existential sort of stuff. And I think you still do to some degree, and sometimes I think there isn't really maybe one or, or there's little bits. But for me now, it's trying to utilise what I've been through to help the next person. So that was kind of that final step was utilising that to go forward, not in that guru mm-hmm. aspect, but just in terms of a case study. You know, of going, look, it's not just you going through this. I've been through this, I still go through this. It's not a cure, you know. I think it's yeah. just those sort of mountains and mountains and dips of become more hills and valleys. It's kind of a much more smaller, bumpy road now, but it's um, it is still a work in progress and one that I've still hit moments of struggle for. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, the goal, goal wise, yeah, I've never really. Even now, I suppose you sometimes talk to some business very bits, and they go, what are your goals the next five, three five years? And I've, and I've never really had that. I've never known what I wanted to do. I've never seen much of the future. I used to think far ahead of where I wanted to be at one point, put my, my own detriment and had deadlines for myself. At one point, I had a major deadline at 30. It was kind of, if I hadn't achieved certain things, then that was it. I was giving up. That was my final bit of going, I pushed on long enough. If I've suffered for 15 years then and not got to that, then I'm, that was me giving up really. But these days, I just take each day as it comes. I just had a moment one mm. day at a time. I was in sobriety. I try and make positive influence each each time. But a lot of things I know I can't change in the future to some degree. I can put things out there. I, I can speculatively push towards things. I can make positive steps and try to build towards futures. But there are some elements that are perhaps chance and opportunities to take. And
0: mm. yeah
1: and bumps in the road that you can't expect because there are hardships in life as much as there are good chips that we can't deny. So it's riding that wave um, Mm -mm. with that in the present.
0: So given that uh, we've, we've stuck into your journey and got under your skin, worked out how we can copy some of your good habit forming, is there any specific advice you would give to somebody who wanted to shift a habit that they know maybe it wasn't destructive, but it's just something that they want to they want to shift. There's a lot of theory about our habits and change. You've done it. You've been there, done it. What would be a key thing that you would offer to the world?
1: Uh, one sort of metaphor I've always quite enjoyed. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. Actually, I, I, it's kind of keeping your side of the street clean in a certain way. I think there's a lot about you know being selfless and helping others, but sometimes at the detriment of yourself. And I think we've always got a fear of change in any capacity. I mean, we've got a fear of being beginners as well as things, I think. I mean, a lot of us doing something mm-hmm. trying to new. where, you know, when we we're younger, it's kind of you throw yourself into these scenarios with that sort of blind faith and just sort of blind optimism in a way, where as we get a bit older, it's kind of going, oh, I can't start that again because I'll be at the bottom of the ladder and everyone's going to be better than me. And I don't want to look as if I'm that one. But we've all got to learn. We've all got to make mistakes on the way up. So... For me, sometimes it's been, I mean, even the, the running side was one thing. I was very conscious about going out there being quite overweight and being very unfit and running in public. So I was quite one at the gym at the first. I'd go very late on on the treadmill, sort of in the dark, it was quiet. When I started to head out into the daytime, it was kind of going, Oh, what if he's thinking up there and driving, what he's doing that? And so many people are in their own heads. they're not bothering about what you're doing. But I also felt as if it was it didn't matter, you know, how slow I was or how far I was going or how fast I was or how Little I was going, it was always more than there was going to be if I was the man sat at home on the sofa. It was always going to be more than him. So it was always a self-battle with myself. It was always. It was never really battling anybody else. It was always me, progression on myself. And that keeping the street clean sort of thing, again, there could be someone on the other side of the street, you know, pointing and laughing at what you're doing or, you know, laughing at your mistakes, laughing at you trying. But ultimately, he's maybe there in his side of the street or, or her side or the alien, whatever you want to picture. Was you know maybe he, he he was unkept I suppose the weeds were all out there was rubbish bags everywhere sort of thing he hadn't repaired his window sill this know, sort of image I guess over your side you know you were just brushing it every day the weeds were growing back constantly but you would just keep 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 at yeah. it and it yeah. was just ignoring that critic I suppose on the other side the one who really a lot of the time perhaps was looking on your life thinking I maybe want those changes too but I've not made to those steps so it was yeah. kind of but that was always the inner battle it was never to me it was kind of proverbial. So keeping yeah. that stream, I think each day was kind of not worrying about the outside perception, not worrying about um, being a beginner, not worrying about failure, because you know you make those steps and you, you you carve that path by by taking that first step.
0: Lovely, thank you. So let's zoom up to date. So you ran the marathon, yes, <laughs> and then you're here. What what was that intervening moment?
1: Yeah, so we're going 2017, 2023 here, aren't we? So there's, there's a bit in between.
0: There's a bit of in between.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose things had settled out at that point. I guess I'd found myself um, in, in sort of a nice job in the Lake District, working more office, more regular hours, still progressing myself personally with the fitness side of things and finding new hobbies. And around this time, of course, I was now hiking quite regularly. I'd moved to the Lake District really really by chance through this, through this job at a random connection in a cafe that I was working at the time that ended up leading to um, working in Grasmere. So I found myself here. I didn't really plan on moving to the lakes, but now I was in this this playground that I was utilising and heading out more and more in the evenings. And I was taking lunches or dinners with me into the hills to enjoy whilst I was out heading up for a sunset hike and stuff, and you know, I would be hungry, so I took something out there, packed lunch, and I was enjoying the time in the kitchen again. Basically, I didn't want to be one of those people that started sharing pictures of their food on Facebook to their friends. So I set up this anonymous account <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram and, uh, and dubbed myself the Fell Foodies. I was loving the Fells in the running, and I was loving cooking at home. Initially, at home, or packed lunches into the hills. And I'd just share those pictures. I didn't share who I was, didn't share my name. And it grew a little bit, just a small and modest following on there. And I got to my second year sober in 2018. And I decided now to share that story in its entirety publicly. And just like the first time that support and um, well wishes and, and similar stories, actually, people who found the outdoors and things for similar reasons mm. that came back from that was, was was really humbling, really. It was really, you know, did a lot. And it also started this snowball, I suppose, of um, there was a chap I used to serve. It's, it's funny who you meet in life, is it? But there's a chap in, I used to serve in the local pub when I was 18 who worked for the local news station that I had on Facebook all these years that saw this reveal of this story and he said, oh, we'd like to cover that. Would you like to come on local news and talk about it? And again, I wouldn't have shared this in the mirror two years ago. And no, almost, no. Now I'm kind of going, right, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can do. Um, I don't really know what to expect, what to do. Again, blind faith, You know, worried about being that failure, but going, okay, yeah. well, I'll try and share this for the greater good, in a way, for the next person to kind of that little kid I was, not knowing what they were going through, if they were listening one person, then it was worthwhile sharing what I was going through. And that led on to um, a local sort of media press that led into a friend of mine that, it turned out, was working for an outdoor publication as a journalist, so he interviewed me. That sort of started the snowball effect, that sort of the following started to grow. I'd revealed who I was, and one person sort of said, why don't you get a stove and actually start cooking out there from scratch as a bit of a joke, really? So I did. I bought the camping stove. I started walking up, again, like the start, with no equipment, just what I had in the kitchen. So yeah. put into to big, heavy stuff, carry that up the hill to try and make what I was doing in the kitchen now in this environment um, just as a bit of a challenge and a bit of just merging those two passions really, sort of quite mm. fair weather. And, yeah, it just seemed to spark a bit of interest, I guess, the pictures of the food and the views, two loves that other people had had. And, again, tied with that story, I think it just seemed to maybe spark a bit, a bit of, bit of a, perhaps interest, or sometimes even you know inquisitiveness from other people, and it's just really snowballed quite naturally into other things of having the chance to go at a local school. So, can you come in and do a talk? Yeah, for sure, I'd love to. You know, a, a business centre, could you come and speak to with people here? Yeah, sure, love to. You know, to podcast to this to radio, and then leading on to to randomly one day getting a call from from the BBC to go on go on television and share this story. Nationally, with with the institution that is, is Dame Mary Berry, I mean, it was just an absolute bonkers. Really. It's <laughs> all been very much, like I said at the start, no goals or no sort of I want to make it to that next, want to get, want to get on there. It was just a very organic path. Mm. Was me just 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 trying to be me ultimately, Doing and the and right that, thing. That's who I am now. It's kind of I do we when I'm, we'll ask what you do again, being defined by the jobs, and I kind of go, oh well, I'm I'm just me now, really. Like I'm just...
0: i love that i'm yeah. i'm earning my money just being me yeah
1: and obviously you've got to explain a bit more then of course we've got some really to maybe build business contacts by actually saying what you do so that's a, it's a funny one but essentially i, I i'm an outdoor cook uh, these days I'm, I'm a mental health speaker sort of uh, i suppose with businesses and schools universities um i suppose a bit of a marketeer in terms of some social media campaigns and brand faces for that and, uh, and 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 I guess a bit of a quirky caterer. I mean, I've, I've been sometimes up in random spots or remote places, cooking for various groups or working with sort of brand events and a lot of festivals and stuff like that. But Great. it's uh, it's all just naturally evolved into the point where it became something that was too much to do alongside my day job. I was just away every weekend, coming back yeah, something. Yeah. And really, I was, I was pretty starting to neglect the personal aspects again. Mm, uh, see it happening yeah the 14 16 hour day shifts almost
0: yeah
1: pushing towards those goals and sacrificing the bits that had got me there uh and then of course i suppose we hit lockdown during this point as well that that although yes i know it's like oh well, come on it's two years ago now i'm still using it as an excuse now i think <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but that kind right. of eroded those routines that i built i've sent so hard yeah. can, suppose, again looking at business you hit these bumps in the road that you would never have expected that to come I'm in a quite a good routine. I'm going out there. I'm gymming every day. Now I'm still this. And all of a sudden, uh, they're, getting okay. clo- they're getting closed tomorrow. Right, okay, well, I'll go out running. But you can't go outside now for more than uh, an hour. What? Mm-hmm. Which was never a rule, but it was taken as gospel. And certainly the uh, the neighbour's curtains would always twitch whenever you're out and about. But yeah, my day job at the time then went absolutely bananas. I was in shipping and logistics. So obviously that became a, such a key element of things going on during lockdown when everyone was at home ordering oh, yeah. stuff online. So it went bananas. And, like, and in a small business like this, where it was many hats already, there's quite a lot of load. The workload went through the roof. Again, that became a seven day operation. So all of a sudden, now it was, like, there's no time for me. I'm mm-hmm. going to work all the day. I'm working all day long, sit at home. And I think I fell back on sort of food as my crooks, really, which has always been a passion, but has also been a bit of a, a, a struggle with, with moderation. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, the exercises fell by the wayside the mountains I never really spoke about this online because I felt quite guilty. I was in a beautiful area and I was growing up I was in I was in the Lake district looking at the window to this green space every day. I wasn't in a high rise building in the city through lockdown. But it was still I wasn't allowed to go out there. And though you could be like, well, you could just go and do it, there's no one here and I could, but that wasn't again, I would have felt guilty for that because I was getting told mm-hmm. not to and the likes of the mountain rescue were saying not to go into these hills. Of
0: course there were, yeah. If
1: it happened, then of course you would be exposing other people. And even the most experienced person could have a little slip one day. Yeah. It could always happen. And for the first time for me, I was stuck in those own four walls again, like I had been at the start. Mm. I never really drunk at home. I always drunk out and about. I didn't want to be stuck at home in my own head. But now I'm forced to be in that environment. And mm. again, everyone's going through the same. So I couldn't be like, whoa, me. Waving yeah, my yeah. it was just like, well, get on with this. You've got, to, you've got to carry on. But
0: must have felt quite high risk.
1: There were certainly huge moments of temptation to go back to the previous days and just kind of speed the days along by by drinking again. Mm. And the heaviest temptations, really, because that that's maybe one element that people say, do you miss drinking? And I don't particularly miss. You know, the taste of things, I don't mind the old alcohol-free beer every now and again, I sort of avoid some of the, the wines and spirits, a bit of a placebo effect for me. But but I do miss sometimes that sensation of escape and shutting off and being able to almost have a little break from life, whereas now I'm present for it all. You know, I'm, mm. I'm much more present for the good things, much more than I ever was before, but I also have to be present for the bad things. And it's kind of, mm. I can't skip those now like I did before, which was a bit powerful, I suppose um not that i'm saying that's that probably just a personal evaluation i'm not saying that to anybody else listening but it's but at that time then it felt as if look i could just i could just get through these days a bit quicker just by by, by drinking through these and mm. it was a tough one so i put a lot of weight back on during lockdown and again coming back out i'm still struggling to build that routine because it's all since blown again that snowball effect it, it came out full circle again that ball was straight down a steeper hill once lockdown ended and the fellow foodie stuff was going even busier and the festivals were starting again and we're out and about. And then I had to make the difficult decision of sort of, you know, a job that I actually loved and was was doing very well in and had really advanced some of my time there. or this new entity that was kind of me having this opportunity and it was kind of, well... Being you. Yeah, both both would have been viable options and both would have provided good lives, but they felt a little bit more of a, I have to chase this, I don't see where this goes. Like it's kind of a string that... Mm. Un- unraveling and it may be something that, that dissipates and collapses in a few years and you go well look back on the memories of it and that's absolutely fine but for now a bit of a speculative path like it's all been i suppose since 2016 um yeah. of chasing this now as one has become a full-time freelance entity of, of being me as full foodie full-time so we're about 16 months in now just about surviving, I'd say, surviving rather than thriving. But, uh, <laughs> but again, but just being so so much fulfilment of of really being able to meet wonderful mm. people and sharing that story and, and hopefully, again impacting that change as I mentioned at the start, even if it's just one person by sharing what I'm going through and of course now sharing that passion as well for outdoor cooking and uh, yeah younger groups and being out there and maybe people like your husband, perhaps who it sounds like is he's is a, he's a keen aficionado for yeah, he'd be as well, I'm totally up for it like-minded people them your
0: way. <laughs> so you've got school groups you've got business people that want to do an alternative type of day on the hills
1: you we're both on the hills and both in the environment because i suppose i mean yeah. I suppose the job title essentially now is motivational speaker i mean that's probably
0: okay so where wherever
1: now again, like i mentioned before that sort of guruism it's one that i, I kind of don't really like dubbing myself as because i don't think it's my place to say i will motivate you it's kind of, it's your, it's how you perceive. Well,
0: you it. know, you know that person wouldn't have helped you if somebody had come along and said, I will motivate you. It had to come from within.
1: No, exactly. You might take taken bits going, oh, well, that sounds a bit like me. But again, but I think these mm. will build up sometimes. You might, like, yeah. exposures of business, isn't it? You used to say it was three exposures led to a sale, where I think now with the internet and, and social media, it's more like seven, I think now, but different yeah. exposures and different bits and yeah, yeah. the whole mental health stigma and mental health movement. It's added my story mm. to that. Which kind of pushes that movement further, which may then help somebody who hears those signs. Yeah. Look, I will go and get help because I'm not alone. So it's mm-hmm. adding that in there. So I think it's it's part of that. Although yes, there's personal aspects and there's business aspects. It's also that greater good, that greater, yeah, mo- yeah. greater movement. So, um, so yeah, in that sector now, I suppose going into corporates, businesses, universities. Speaking about that festival circuits, I'll do a lot of cooking demos. I've just come back from Carfest oh, nice. and down in um, in Hampshire, which was fantastic. So again. Sharing the personal journey, but also doing some cooking demonstrations on the camping stove, and even talking through some someone just really going to the nitty gritty of the exact equipment that I'm using on these uh, these bits. That again, there were some people that seemed to really be interested in you know the stoves and the pans and the equipment. Yeah.
0: Do it themselves,
1: and um yeah, and it's even led. I guess to I've recently compiled my debut my debut book cookbook. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. I've seen your cookbook. Oh, i you totally buying that for Steve. <laughs> it's all. I've it. I'm, I'm told him yet. Yeah. No, no, I've seen that. I'm like, right, that's Christmas sorted. Well, Bless, I might yeah. buy him something additional, but.
1: <laughs> 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 I, mean, that's, I, won't, I won't say anything else on that but i mean of course yeah i mean yeah that's brilliant but it's yeah again that's that's a path that i'd never have really envisioned that would come no no although a bit of a child of dreams write a cookbook for it to actually become a reality especially with the recent years is it, a bizarre realization really and sometimes one that i don't probably really stop and actually maybe comes to terms with but yeah we're really looking forward to that coming out as well also about what i do now and mm-hmm.
0: Where will they be able to buy it?
1: So it should be available um, sort of online, your likes of um, Vertibate Publisher, the publisher who's actually um, published the book, as well as your likes of Amazon and various bits on there. Uh, I believe Waterstones, WH Smith are going to stock it as nice. well. And when's, it, when's
0: it released? Is it released yet?
1: So October the 12th it will be out. And what's it called? It's called Cookout. It's a cookout by Fell Foodie, all about meals to cook, went well, out and about, whether at the campsite, up the hills, down for a dog walk, down at the beach – on sort of minimal equipment, uh, be that camper van or camping stoves.
0: Amazing. And where else can people find you if they wanted to book you for some speaking
1: event? So you can check out my website, www.fellfoodie.co.uk. That's foodie with an IE. Um, also on social media, as Fell Foodie, all my, all my platforms are under that. Um, and I, I receive messages I'm more than happy to reply to from all those platforms. Um, yeah, or like or send was me an email, but... Yeah, LinkedIn, I suppose, maybe for this side of ones or Instagram, Facebook, all sorts of bits. We're out there. You're
0: everywhere. You're it's everywhere great. being like you.
1: <laughs> well, like yourself, Karina. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we've met through LinkedIn, haven't we, through that sort of thing. So yeah, again, exactly. it comes. your social networks, you know, they bring people together, yeah. which I think is, is also the, the power of them, really.
0: Absolutely. Reaching out and having all that support is great, isn't it? And that's where it started. So thank you it was lovely to talk to you love hearing your journey and seeing how it relates to people really people in business but just people generally and it's inspirational to listen to you so i wish you well and i look forward to seeing how your business thrives in the coming months and years
1: bless you that's really kind it's been a pleasure being on and a pleasure speaking to you
0: Thanks for listening to the Visible Leader podcast. To stay up to date with the latest episode, hit the subscribe button. And I'd love to hear what you think, so please leave me a review. If you have any questions or comments, reach out to me, Corinne Hines on LinkedIn.